The dive had seemed cursed from the start, when legal reasons almost prevented it from happening. Ballot had returned to the site several times since his initial discovery and was actively trying to prevent anyone else from going there. When Deep Ocean's expeditions also found the wreckage, using publicly available data, Ballot obtained a preliminary injunction from an American court that basically prohibited other people from trespassing on the site. During the court hearing, Ballot had displayed a piece of plastic he had found on the wreckage that had fallen off the motor of one of the Deep Ocean Expedition submersibles, claiming it was evidence that visitors would be disrespectful to the Titanic gravesite. While Deep Ocean Expeditions did fail to notice this one piece of plastic, we were of the view that Ballard's expeditions had done considerably more damage. We ultimately prevailed in court for a different reason altogether. It was pointed out that the Titanic lies in international waters, and an American court did not have the jurisdiction to dictate what anyone could or could not do at the site. So we were finally legally cleared, though much preparation still lay ahead. This is not the kind of expedition for which you just pack a bag and go. I wanted to understand every facet of our incredible machine. By the time we made our voyage... I was such an expert that if my sub-commander died, I could literally have guided us back home. I knew this wouldn't be a luxurious experience. The submarine's hull is about six feet in diameter, and it seats three people, though not especially comfortably, and is built for functionality. Its inch-thick nickel steel can withstand the enormous pressure 5,000 meters, more than three miles, below the surface. Subs are regularly pressure-tested to well beyond the depth we would be traveling, and if it did implode, well, at least it would be a quick death. But we knew that engineers had considered the long list of hazards that might be encountered on a deep dive. After being crushed, the next greatest fear most people have is that the sub will get stuck on the ocean floor and eventually the crew will suffocate. To manage this risk, Deep Ocean Expedition's mere had three independent power systems and carried several days' worth of oxygen. But if for some reason its motors failed, then the first thing you wanted to do was to make it buoyant so it would float to the surface. The easiest way to accomplish that was to pump water out of the ballast tanks. If that failed, two massive external battery trays could be dropped. If that wasn't sufficient, Pressing a button opened an electromagnet that dumped nickel shot weights on the sea floor, further increasing buoyancy. That system was designed to work even if the batteries died. So if something went terribly wrong inside this vehicle and everyone lost consciousness, the batteries would run out, the weights would be dropped, and the sub would pop up to the surface. Perhaps the greatest danger we faced was becoming entangled in nets or ropes or the wreckage itself. To try to avoid this, every external object on this submersible was designed to be easily ejected. Its two large light booms, two grasping arms, two sample trays, and three external thrusters all can be jettisoned if they get caught on something. Another safety mechanism is a hatch on top that releases a balloon attached to a very, very long rope that rises to the surface, alerting the surface crew that the submersible is in trouble and pinpointing its location. The submarine also carries two line-of-sight acoustic radios, 
providing primary and backup communications capabilities. It is an extraordinarily safe machine, and as we descended into the North Atlantic, I felt complete confidence in it. The dive itself took almost three hours, and there was little conversation during that time. I was running on adrenaline. Occasionally I would ask a question and one of the crew members would respond. The trickiest maneuver took place at the very beginning, when we were hoisted off the deck of our ship by a crane and rocked back and forth until we dropped into the water. Unlike boats made to float upright and drive through the waves, the Mir is a capsule, considerably heavier on its bottom, so when it hits the water, it rolls. Anything not strapped down, including the crew, gets thrown around. If you're prone to seasickness, it's terrible. But within seconds, it starts to descend, then stabilizes.